0: Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Again, let's just take a moment and relax. Just anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside and Make yourself available to God and remind yourself that who you are as as a spirit being, you are already one with God. Your spirit is one with God. Your spirit doesn't need any healing or doesn't need any training. It's exactly one with God right now. You're never going to be closer to God. You already have all the eternal life you're ever going to get right now. And because of that, we have everything we need for life and godliness to live here on this earth. Our problem is is we've never learned how to use it. And so we've come up with substitutes. We've come up with alternates, alternative ways of meeting our needs rather than getting our needs met from spirit, from our spirit, which is one with God. So that's part of our our goal is to learn how to live as a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. Now we've we've talked about the soul being like a coin that has two different sides. And the one side is God's responsibility, the other side is ours. And by responsibility I, I simply mean to be who you are, you will learn how to live as, with a, an intact soul. So day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, throughout your life, God is restoring your soul. He's healing the wounds. He's speaking truth to the lies. So your soul has become reunited with your spirit. Now, that involves change. That revolves, involves recognizing that what we were relying on was false, was a crutch. And as that happens, now God's going to do what he wants to do anyway. But the whole point being that when God says, this is what I want for you, it's for you. It's not for you to do. He's restoring your soul because that's his goal for you. His goal for me is that we become complete and entire spirit, soul, and body. You and I have no idea what that even looks like. We have no idea about how we're supposed to live, how, you know, how we're supposed to exist amongst our uh, community, amongst uh, just as, as ourselves, you know, how much of your daily existence is really a reflection of who God made you to be? Or is it a ref- more a reflection of this is m- the image, this is the mirror, this is the, the decoy, this is the mask I'm wearing to protect myself? So part of that, that process is you will become more and more acquainted with the soul that God gifted you with. Now, your soul is not you. It's a gift from God, just like your body. Your body is not you. It's a gift that God gave you. Your spirit, who you truly are, is your true nature. And your true nature is spirit, one with God. And your spirit, you know, the spirit begets spirit. So spirit has the same qualities and characteristics as spirit. So you and I have the same characteristics as God. Now sometimes that kind of can freak us out. We can go, that's, you know, that there's something wrong with that. And yet we know that we're joint heirs with Christ. We're co-inheritors with Christ. Not with a lesser human being. Not with a, you know, other, you know, um, God says he doesn't share himself with, with others. We are not others. We are in him. And so we are not only partakers of God's glory, we are owners. We share that process, that position that power and authority with God himself and that's what he wants we're not taking it he has he has given it to us already and we are simply learning how to be what we already are it's like finding out you're an heir to the fortune or you you know you find out you're royalty and you find out you have duties and responsibilities and, and good things, perks with it. But you then have to relearn and, and begin to see yourself different. So you do that. Now, generally speaking, in those kind of situations, there's people to help you do that, people to help you learn the protocols, people to learn, help you learn how to manage your money, and that, in a lot of in a lot of ways, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. And I say supposed to be supposed to be because I don't think they're doing a very good job. And I don't blame them. I don't blame organized religion. I blame us because it suits us. Our our mask, our self, we like you know our soul likes those crutches. It's security. We've It's a comfortable place to be, to not be held accountable, to not be uh, learning, you know, out of our comfort zone. We don't like being separate. We don't like being different from everyone else. We like fitting in. And so, like, if if you belong to a church, and maybe they have some beliefs that you're not sure if they're, you know, right on the money, Odds are you may very well stay there because at least if you're, you know, excuse the expression, if you're going to hell, you're not going to be going alone. All your friends are going with you because you all believe this stuff. Now, I don't believe any of that's true, But that's very often our mentality, that we'd rather be wrong with everybody else than be learning how to live. you know, in God's spirit, by ourselves. Being by yourself, being on your own is hard. And yet, you're never on your own. When you start to understand who God is and his desire for us and what the supernatural realm is, and I think part of the purpose of the supernatural realm and the reason he draws us to it is to start getting us ready to experience spirit. Because I think God is, is kind and gracious, and if he just poured out his spirit on his people or on anyone, or on, if he poured out his spirit on this earth, I suspect it would be decimated. It would explode or implode. It would not be able to contain who and what he is in its pure form so he hides himself he hides himself from his creation because we would not be able to tolerate it and accomplish what he wants for us which is to become one spirit soul and body and we've talked many times that the purpose of that is that we there are certain things in our character that cannot develop without being separated from him first. One of the primary ones being gratitude, appreciation. If you've, you know, what happens to somebody who's always had everything, all their needs met, every mistake that they make, somebody comes in and smooths it over. They become entitled and selfish and don't know how to handle a hard situation. Don't know how to handle someone saying no. So we, in, in that way, we can say we are learning to mature, but only in the sense of on our, our solical side and our human side, not spiritually. Spiritually, you're never going to mature because you're already one in him. You're already, uh, you're already in him. You're, you have that glory and that honor. And it's already done. It is finished in your spirit. That's not the problem anymore. Your relationship with God is not the problem. He's not keeping score. He's not trying to figure out how you're doing. You know, he's not saying, you know, you know, she's on the borderline. I'm not going to, you know, she's, I've only got 10 slots and she's number 11. That's not the way he does things. He's, you're in him, period, end of sentence. So everything else that's going on in your soul and in your body, is for your sake. God doesn't need your help in anything. He's not waiting for you. He's not waiting for for people to pray the right way or the right number of people or even figure out what prayer really is. He's not, you know, he, he can call who he will, and he does. He calls who he will. He reveals himself to whomever he chooses. And and when we look at who he even called to be the disciples, he did not pick the qualified. He picked people who didn't get along with one another from from various so you know societal and cultural backgrounds that would not get along with one another. And he and he basically said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to get along with one another. And it, he wanted to knock you know the rough edges off one another it was not about getting everybody you know that all knew the 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 song the right songs or the right scriptures or, or the all agreed on, on any issues they came from a, such a wide variety of backgrounds for a reason and so you and i are going through each one of us is going through a different sit set of circumstances you have a path i have a path but god created that path and he's leading you on that path as you pick up your foot and you lean forward and you put that foot down god guides it he guides where you place each foot each step you take he's guiding it he's directing your path he's he's your guidance counselor and your director and he does the grading and he knows you know okay if if we fail what is failure we most often learn and are changed by making mistakes by areas and places and ways that we miss the mark the examples we have in scriptures is we learn so much more from them Their mistakes. We can learn from their mistakes more than we do from their successes. Now, not that we need to go out and and seek out making a mistake and be and become foolish, but we can be confident that we will make mistakes, and that's that's perfectly part of, and we're going to get hurt, and that's what we were talking about last week was. Uh, how we can phrase, you know, how the scriptures often use the term, and, and therefore we do, um, that the, the focus of learning how the supernatural realm works is often used in terms of describing it in terms of warfare. Now people say spiritual warfare. It's not spiritual warfare. There is no warfare in God. There's no, you know, it's hard to even say that there's peace because peace kind of implies that there could be something else. There's God. I mean, I love that he describes himself as I am. He, he is. He's, he, you know, to say he's one thing, you have to say there's maybe another thing. There's different aspects to him. But he's totally one. He's singular. He is God. And we are in him. One. Now, how that works it's working now, and I think he you know what is what does he say? Those that have eyes to hear, those that have uh, eyes to see and ears to hear we want to develop those. everybody that he you know in that that he was sp- speaking to had eyes and ears, so it's not the physical it's the supernatural it's the solical having eyes to see and ears to hear because he has things he wants to show us and things he wants to speak to us but we have to have eyes to see and ears to hear and we don't develop those just by working hard just by you know um Practicing now, practicing helps, but it's God restoring our soul, and then being available through practice, through you know um, learning. You know, we've talked about the three things that we can all be working on at all times: the fasting, speaking in tongues, and um, the other one. I can't remember right now. So uh, awaiting. So those three things give our soul the most opportunity, the greatest opportunity to return to its, originally, its original programming, let's say. So right now, you know, we could think of our soul being under the influence of our self, our mask, is like the, turning the TV on and seeing nothing but static, and then over time, we start to tune things in. We can see images. And then over time, it, things become clearer and clearer. And it's a combination of God doing his thing, and we, we are becoming more and more available to him. So let's t- say there's an area, we, you know, uh, for some reason I keep on going to anger issues. If you've got an anger issue, God is healing your soul in that area. So that anger is not an issue, not something you rely on, not a coping mechanism, not, some, not the first place you turn to when you're dealing with stress. He doesn't remove the stress. He removes the wound that causes the anger. So we, we aren't trying to avoid the situations. We, we're not going to look for trouble, but we understand that this is all part of the process of restoring our soul, bringing our, our thoughts into submission, renewing our mind. And God has exactly the perfect plan that he's doing this by. So last time we were talking about the, the, describing this process as warfare, but also that, okay, it's not spiritual, it's supernatural. And God left enemies for us. The world system, which is part of you know our existence here on this earth, the devil, you know, which he created to be here on this earth to be our enemy, and then our flesh, our, our self, our mirror, the, our crutches, our coping mechanisms, the things we use to meet our needs, that are substitutes, that are stand-ins, that are fill-ins for God Himself. And the more, we, the more we, for instance, the more time we spend with him, the more readily we're going to recognize when we are relying on something else other than him to fill our needs. Now, we can recognize that, but he's the one who's going to change us. He's the one who's going to go ahead and meet those needs And what it looks like is when he meets our needs, it's like Velcro. Our needs needs are met. It's just, okay, it's done. It's finished. And there's a perfect fit. But it's our soul being restored to our spirit because your spirit has no more needs. Your spirit is perfectly satisfied because your spirit is in God. So when your soul joins your spirit in God, your soul doesn't have needs there. So talking about the warfare, talking about this is just a description of, uh, you know, that's used in the scriptures, and we use it a lot. Just, you know, if we have an understanding. It's a commonality about warfare, about struggling, about overcoming our enemies. And it brings up a lot of the things we each struggle with personally and uh, in our communities and as, a, as countries. We've talked about uh, five things last time. We talked about that, it's, that this whole concept of warfare, we can say it's serious. This is number one, it's serious. There's a lot at stake. This is not, it's not trivial. It's not unimportant. God takes this seriously. He takes your restoration, your soulical restoration, he takes it seriously. It's important to him. And that's number two, is it's important. It's serious. It's not to be, you know, it's not casual. That's number one. It's serious. A lot at stake. Number two is it's important. It's worth the battle. It's worth the effort. It's worth everything else that has to do with this process. So it's important that your soul is restored, which is going to involve warfare. Because, again, God left The enemies, he left the enemies in your backyard for a reason. You have enemies in your closet. You have enemies in your refrigerator. You have enemies, you know, under the rug. You have enemies where you live. And for a reason, because he wants you to learn. You will gain personally by learning how to overcome your enemies. Third, we can get hurt. And so much of us, you know, there's that fear, you know, that I'm going to get hurt or if I make a mistake, somebody else is going to get hurt, and that may be true. Uh, Odds are you're going to get hurt, and odds are others are going to get hurt. And whether you blame yourself or not, there's two kinds of people in the world, those that have been rejected and those that have been rejected more. So the goal is not to avoid pain. It's not to avoid getting hurt. Now, none of us have had good parents, or perfect parents. Some of us have better, but none of us have had perfect parents. So odds are, growing up, you've gotten hurt. And some don't have, didn't learn how to deal with that. So now we try to avoid it at all costs. And this is another reason we rely on the strength of ourself. our crutches, our, the mirror, the mask, the armor, but we, instead God wants to draw us to overcome that fear of getting hurt or that fear of others getting hurt as we begin to have confidence in him that he can heal us, he will heal us, and he's sovereign that if other people get hurt, that was what was best for them, and and we cannot prevent what God wants to do in other people's lives. We can't, we can try, you know, and and so often that seems to be what our prayer is, is we want to talk God into preventing somebody else from getting hurt or fixing somebody else's situation. When God himself is saying, look, it, it took me a long time to get him into this situation. I'm not about to take him out until the work is done. So he doesn't. And so the more we begin to understand that so often we are asking God to do something counter to what he wants done. So we don't just, okay, the goal then is not, okay, I need to figure out what God wants so I can pray accordingly. No, it's, it's none of your business. Just stay away from it, and God will teach you how to use your words how to use the power and authority he's given you, how to cast that mountain into the sea, how to raise the dead. He will teach you how to do those things that you already have the power and authority to do. And in that process of learning that, you will learn to hear his voice. You will learn that he, to, to hear his orders, to obey his commands, and then also how to exercise all the power and authority he's already given you. He's going to teach you number 4. So so number 1 is serious. It's serious a lot at stake. Number 2 is it's important. It's worth the battle. Number 3 is we can get hurt and others can get hurt. Number 4 is weapons and armor for protection and ready so we're ready and confident for engagement to go into the battle, to go into the warfare. And he's given us the weapons and the armor so often we just sit around, oh, yeah, I've got the wa- weapons for my ar- warfare. They're not carnal. They're mighty through God to pulling down the strongholds. But how many strongholds have you pulled down lately? We we don't know how to do that. We we look to, you know, emotional, you know, like um, singing in the spirit and getting all riled up in our emotions and, and getting, you know, involved with other people or involved in other activities and saying, okay, this is – Warfare. Well, I think your warfare might look different than mine. But I think the opportunities we have right now to be engaged in true pulling down strongholds is greater than ever. And we want to simply see that as an opportunity. An opportunity for God to teach us how to pull down strongholds and then do it. And then number five was tactics and strategies. To not be foolish. You know, to not be deceived. You know, uh, when Paul says, you know, we, we are not deceived by the enemy. We understand him. But that's not true. We are deceived by him all the time. That's one of his calling cards is deception. You know, and we're so afraid, though, of being deceived that we don't come out from under, you know, our bed. Uh, uh, because we're afraid, or all these other reasons. But number six is learning to experience and thrive through both losses and victories. God doesn't value losses over victories or victories over losses. He doesn't see, he doesn't see things as a win-loss. You know, the tree of life. And then we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's the knowledge part that's important, not the good and evil. Good and evil, it's on the same tree. It's about knowing. It's about understanding. It's about experiencing. They took a bite. They partook of knowledge, of of a new opportunity of taking responsibility for managing their own lives. That's what separated them from God, which he intended. So it's learning to experience and thrive. Have an expectation that you're going to win, that you're going to not just survive, not just squeak through, you know, by the skin of your teeth, but this is something that you will conquer. Learning how the supernatural works is something that you were made to do. This is your battleground this is your opportunity. This is what you've already won in the spirit. Now you're, now you're letting that win settle into your soul as well. Then number seven, so number six was learning to experience and thrive through both losses and victories. God doesn't see losses and victories as different things. We to look at like a football team if say they start a season and they get win their first 3 games because they have not had to battle through certain things they might not have formed the team work necessary or the discipline the thought discipline the training this discipline and even if they start out and they win the first 3 games They could lose and lose and lose every game afterwards. So it's not about losses and victories. It's about being one with God and seeing, okay, every loss and every victory is an opportunity. And we appreciate and value those opportunities. We appreciate and value every aspect of every minute, every day, because, specifically, God is bringing every opportunity to us so that he can restore our soul. Now, on the flip side, we can look at the changes that God is doing in our life. The You know, we we might look back and see bad habits that have broken. Or an area, that let's even go back and go back to fear something we were really afraid of that we're not afraid of anymore that we have confidence God has this under control God is not obligated to answer your questions He's not obligated to tell you okay this is this is the way walk in it He may be leading you on that way without you knowing and just having confidence that yes every step he's he's ordering that pathway but we know He's doing it. He's leading us, but we don't need to know. We don't need to know where. We don't need to know where we're going, where we're coming from. But we can look at our lives and see measurable, measurable results. We're gaining ground, losing ground. It's objective. Our experience with learning the supernatural realm is objective. And we're going to have to pick up there for next time. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Feel free to drop me a line at diane at the or through here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.